Dunkin' Refreshers are the perfect way to get a little more out of your day. With more tropical flavors like new mango pineapple and more ways to get glowing. Available with green tea, coconut milk, or lemonade. You've got what you need to make the most out of every moment. Even the ones spent stuck in traffic. <sighs> what a beautiful day. Sip into all your favorite Dunkin' Refreshers like new mango pineapple. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Additional charges may apply. Good morning. This is Jim the Keys bartender. It's still morning. It's 10 after 11. I'm sorry for using that uh, because it kind of makes it sound like I'm up early, but it's not. Oh, I was up early. It's 11, 10 after 11. My daughter just made me a delicious smoothie. She was off from school today, but um, t- Tuesday being my traditional day off, I, I did some writing. I'm really enjoying doing this. I enjoy doing my podcast. And it will all show you what, in the end, how that ties to the whole theme of today's episode. It's beautiful weather here in the Keys. We got whatever, was it Sam or out in the mid-Atlantic turning, heading north, uh, away from the Keys. Supposedly that track that the hurricane tank took recently that it um, may lay out, lay down the groundwork for more hurricanes heading that direction. Who knows? We're at that point where the hurricane, uh, likelihood of a hurricane is less likely to occur and it's dropping, dropping as the energy from the ocean with the cool, supposedly, you know, we want it to be a little cooler once the Caribbean and the Atlantic gets a little colder, colder, it takes away that energy. Just a couple days ago, I was at work and right about an hour before the end of my shift, the hour before clothing, closing, I don't know why I, I mumbled that one, the, a couple came in and they sat down. I didn't get a good read on them right away. They were an innocuous white couple in their mid to late 30s. I couldn't get a feel for whether they were tourists or non-tourists or locals or non-locals. It turns out they had a feeling of both. You know, that they could be local, they could be visiting, they could be long-term relationship or could just be in a short term. And it turns out... They were in a short-term relationship. And the guy looked a little worse for wear, like he had a couple drinks already. And the woman, she seemed all right. So they sat down. She ordered a a water or a soft drink, and then he ordered a drink, and he, he asked for a double. And he got up to use the bathroom. As soon as she went to the, he went to the bathroom, she mentioned something, and I didn't catch it. I didn't really understand it. You know when someone talks and you're not ready for what the comment is? Well, after a moment, well, after I made the drink and put it up there, when the woman 
prior after what the woman said, I realized she said, don't make it strong. It took a while for it to mull around in my head. What did she say? What did she say? And he's in the bathroom. And I walked back after putting the drink down. I said, I apologize. I did not realize that you were saying that. But also, I'm not really allowed to say that. Either I make the drink or don't make the drink. That's my choice. And I didn't see it in the guy at the time when he went to the bathroom. He came back, and it seemed like there was some kind of confrontation going on. That he may have heard that. I don't know how he would have heard it because he was in the bathroom and I barely heard it. And I was not in the bathroom. I was in front of her. So they may have had discussion about that. May have, may have, may or may have not. So I'm thinking and they go back and forth and they started talking. And in the beginning of the conversation they're having, it seems like they've been together for a while. And then as time goes on, they order food. They sit around. She doesn't have any more. He doesn't really down that drink that fast. They get their food and they start talking and they start hearing things, clues on how long the relationship's been around. And it seems like it's a new relationship, a brand new relationship, either first or second date. Second date at most because he kept on saying things like, oh, you would like him. He's a good friend of mine. He, he enjoys that type of thing. Or she's saying things that only people say in a new relationship. And it was just interesting that in a new relationship that a person is trying to stop and you know measure out someone's intake of alcohol. And that does not bode well for a relationship. It really, it really doesn't. I've done it before. I know firsthand because I was the one on the other end. I was the guy where... It comes in that, you know, I drank too much on first dates. I've done it more than a few times. And it's spoiled any potential for a long-term relationship. Because right in the beginning, if you can't control your drinking on the first or second date, you know it's not going to happen further down the line. That may or may not be true, but you know in your heart of hearts, if someone has a problem in on the first you know, if they cry a lot, they get angry, you know they're not going to get better once they get to know you. Because being familiar with someone, it's just that behavior just becomes more and more to the surface. So I just thought it was interesting that if it was, you know, and, and it appeared to be a new date, that he would choose to not curtail his drinking, which... I had done before, not not quite necessarily that much older than he was. I would usually be on my best behavior the first one or two dates. You don't want to let the cat out of the bag, right? And she, on the other hand, if she's looking for, depending on what her goals were, <clears throat> is she just looking for a good time tonight? If she was looking for a good time tonight, she just didn't want him to drink too much, so maybe they could have... A little fun later on. So that comes down to what are their goals? You know, and I'm not necessarily talking about just relationships and things like that because it just happens in life. Just 
were their goals. But in this particular situation, she may have just been looking for a good time tonight and hoping he didn't drink too much because it looked like they were maybe somewhat physically attracted to each other. And his goal could have been, well, I'm just lonely. I want to have a girlfriend. I would like to go and repeat these things and go on dates and things like that. It's interesting because, you know, usually traditionally you have in your head that guys have short-term, a lot of short-term plans. And the short-term plans is to have, to get laid. And the long-term plans traditionally you think for a woman was to have a relationship and see where it goes to see if it would be long-term. The roles are not necessarily reversed nowadays. It's just more even with people having different short-term and long-term goals. Just think of it on Match.com. If everyone's being honest, then you do have a match-up when people come up. No, they're looking for a serious relationship. Well, this person's looking for a serious relationship. But I know a lot of people that went on... They t- went on Match.com before and they had profiles on Match.com. I didn't necessarily, but they had different, they did not have the same stated goals as stated in their profiles because they knew that on Match.com, it wasn't, it was more geared to people looking for relationships. Long That's a long-term thing. And there's Tinder which arose afterwards at Tinder was more of a short-term fun. Go out on a date or even, you know, more explicit just to have sex, right? And people always say that in the short term, if you think about it, someone knows in within under a minute whether they're going to get along with this person well enough that they're going to have some kind of physical interaction with them. But the really the the goal to the episode for really for me is is thinking about long game theory. You know? Ten year plans and things like that. People have it you you may have seen it recently that people have these things where you know to have a better life, you really have to have a goal. You have to have a long term goal. And that's strategy. And strategy is an overall plan. What What is your goal? What are you going to, um, your statement of principle, what you want to wind up with after a certain amount of time, what direction you're heading. Now, a tactic is the means you use to get to that goal. And tactics can change. As well as goals, obviously goals goals should be slower to change and tactics should be quicker because tactics are the way we commit those. So if you're going out on a date, you dress up, you make sure your hygiene is good. You may make some plans on where you're going to go or maybe play it by ear saying, I'm going to see what they want to do. And you, you just, you know, you... It, that tactic of being ready and do that with the technical goals like in the person's head is say, well, if we have sex, we'll see how the sex works out and then we can have a long-term relationship. Other people may think, well, let's see how the relationship works 
and then we'll determine if we have sex. You could both have, they could both have that long-term outlook and still have different tactics on how to achieve it. And that goes with almost any anything in life. But it really does boil down to the with the young people. But it kind of seems that everyone has a different tactic or a different way they believe to implement these things. Where younger people seem to be more tactical. They have short-term goals. Let's say their strategic goal when someone's young is just to have fun. And just to have fun, you have to implement day-to-day strategies or tactics. There's no day-to-day strategy, but they got shorter goals, shorter goalposts. It's not like 10 years. And you do have young people that say, I want to be uh, an Olympic athlete. Well, they could take six, seven, eight years, whatever, training and all that stuff. That is a strategy. And a tactic is the training. But when you're young people, it's like meeting people, having good time. That's a short-term, tactical way of living in life when you have a lot of time in front of you. So it's really effective for younger people to have strategic goals because they have more time to be able to implement it and try different tactics. Where older people, more senior, are more strategic in their thinking. Right? Where they should be more tactical because if you're older, you may realize and say, listen, i got to eat some broccoli today because I have a hard time moving my bowels, so I better eat some of that. And that's a tactical reason to have that. Or I shouldn't drink this coffee after two because I have a hard time getting to sleep or I may wake up in the middle of the night and have to go to the bathroom. You know, in order to get sleep. You got, that's a tactical. So, but, but yes, seniors act more strategic. They do a whole life things. They got their medicine. They got their workout. They got their routines. They get their food. They get their um, places where they live. When the older you get, the more short-term your planning should be, right? Would make sense. Because you really only have that day. And when you're younger, the more long-term your planning should be. That's where like investment strategies get more conservative as you further you go out. In the cl- and when you bring it in closer, they investment strategies get a little more aggressive. And when it gets close, you got to worry about being secure. So they may get a little conservative towards the end. But the, the you know, sometimes the idea of implementing a philosophy on how they're living a life is determined by how much time you have with it. Right? And goals are short-term and short-term, long-term. If you're driving across a desert, your goal should be not to run out of fuel. And your tactical way to do it is to gas up at the latest possible moment that you can get Let's say if you're within, let's say, 
a certain amount. Let's say you have a half a tank of gas and it's 150 miles across the desert. And you you know your car, if you're not running AC too much, may make 150, 160 miles on a half a tank of gas. Well, the the tactically you may say, well, I want to I want to get across this desert as quick as possible. I'm not going to stop for gas. I'm going to go ahead. But strategic thinking says my ultimate goal is to make it to the other side. So I better get this gas. And in a tactical sense, you're slowing down because you got to stop and get the gas. But eventually you're going to have to stop and get the gas anyway. So that's the employment of these theories. And a lot of people employ them in politics, religion, Society, personal development, fitness. Now, fitness is very interesting. Let's say weight loss. If you see the commercial say, I lost 10 pounds in five weeks. That's a combination of strategic and tactical. And then they throw in the end, and I kept the weight off. Right? Because a lot of people say when there's rapid weight loss, there's you know, rapid return to the weight. Think Oprah Winfrey. How many times has she had her strategic planning as being a thinner woman? And you've seen her go up and down, up and down, up and down. How many years have you seen that? Since the 80s. You know, 30-something years she's been in the public eye, in the national public eye or international and I'm sure she's always had those goals and she's changed it and she's had quick weight losses and slow weight losses and quick weight gains back and slow weight gains back. Not every tactic fits every strategy and not every strategy needs every tactic to be effective. And not all older people are better at long-term planning than short-term planning. And not every young person is bad at long-term planning versus short-term planning. You always see it in the news. You see this young person. They develop the company and they have this 10-year plan. That's a big thing now. 10-year plans of career development. Say, well, yeah, I want to graduate college when I'm 22. I want to to be a millionaire by the time I'm 25. And then I, whatever. I mean, it's got to suck when you have the, you have a long strategic goal and you say, well, this will be the, my life's work. And you achieve it right away. Like someone like Mozart. You know, he's a prodigy. He's playing, you know, seven, eight years old. He's playing for the Grand Duchess of Austria, a piano concerto, starting to write his own operas and symphonies. And then in his 20s, he's washed up. There's no no new things, and that's goals and strategies. Let me pause right now while my dog's getting all crazy. I'll be right back. I'm going to put the music on. Bring it down. Okay, we're back. Sorry about that delay. I had to see what's going on. It's 
see, one of my goals is to make sure that my dog is happy. And it's still, it probably seems like it's a nebulous subject to have, but I kind of live my life with a balance of ta- the tactical and strategic, and not all the tactical things I do are necessarily in line with my strategic plan. If I have a strategic plan, maybe they should have been longer... I guess my whole plan was to be somewhat content with my whole life. Just content. And whatever situation I'm in. And I had no specific long-term goal recently. I had one when I was younger. I wanted to be a high-ranking officer in the Navy. I didn't really think about it too hard. I just had that sitting right there as a goal. And I thought if I went to school and I had a scholarship and I did that stuff, I'd be able to achieve it. But then there were other things. I had other goals in there. Not the least of them being a companionship of the opposite sex. And that kind of engrossed me for a while. And I put off a lot of strategic planning for that. I lived day to day. And also the day to day, for some reason, alcohol got incorporated into it. And it would make me not think about what my long-term plans were. And my long-term, my, my tactical plan was to spend as much time as I can drinking. I go to a regular place for a couple of years. I was I was a regular in a bar. And whenever I was off, I was there. I mean, I had to be one of the 20 people that kept that bar open, which you very well can if you think about all the revenue that you outpour from your pockets in order to sustain a bad habit. And mine was drinking. And that drinking really, every so often, sobriety would creep in there and it would make me think, well, maybe this isn't a good idea to do this. I'll have a long-term goal. And I'd start throwing in a long-term goal. But it wouldn't really last that long. Would be get a better job. Don't drink as much. Maybe stop smoking. That was in the 90s, the smoking thing. I said, you know what? Smoking is not going to be a thing that's going to be in my life. I didn't foresee that years into the future. Or I did have memories of family members that did not fare well who just kept on with that particular habit. So, for some reason... That big strategy was not to smoke. And I used different tactics. And I used uh, gum, patch, uh, what other, lozenges, the patch, the patch really kind of thing. And I did do a lot of exercise and things like that in order to distract me from that. And I was able to, employing different tactics, I was able to achieve 
uh, become smoke-free for a time. And then I'd go back. But then I had learned how to quit, and then I learned how to quit again. I knew I could. Once you know you can do something, it's easy to really achieve again if, if you accept that you have the ability to do it. So I did that. And then eventually I realized, oh my God, I'm going to be doing this every day. Even though I had quit smoking, I'm going to be drink- I'm still drinking like a fish. So what do I do after that? I said, well, I needed to get married. Because otherwise I was going to be like one of my crazy cousins who, who never got married and drank every day. And then ended up calling me and things like that. So I ended up getting married. And that really was a tactical answer to a strategic problem of being lonely and not having someone in my life. And that tactical decision was the wrong decision because I also tried to make, to maintain a relationship, tried another tactic, is going to therapy, relationship therapy, see how that would work out. And what it did is was it prolonged a relationship that was not going to work, at least not work while uh, we still had a major problem that wasn't being addressed and that was drinking at the time. Then I moved down here in 2007. I know I missed a lot of high points and stuff like that, but the overarching thing is I was still drinking. I was moving down here in 2007 from Philadelphia, from being separated to a place I thought that would never really point out that I drink too much because everyone drinks down here. Matter of fact, that's a big, big thing down here, the drinking. A lot of people have that imagery of the Keys. It's just rum runners and pina coladas and tequila, whatever. That that was an overarching theme of the Keys. And if I can come down here, I can just find my place in that whole thing. Well, that wasn't much of a goal, strategy, that I'm going to do the rest of my life. Because after a couple months coming down here, it really didn't change the habits that I had up north and the behaviors I had up north coming down here. Having that geographic change, I was doing the same thing. Employing the same tactics. But the, the strategy didn't change. The strategy was that I was going to be drinking, but I was going to be drinking in a place. I would accept it. And then I realized, wait a second, the drinking is the problem. So I said, well, I have to implement a strategy to stop drinking. That's where I ended up going to AA, doing that thing. And for seven years, I remained drink-free until I wasn't. I decided that I didn't need it anymore. But I had met a a woman I can have a long-term relationship with who loves me dearly. And I love her. And she has a beautiful daughter who's my stepdaughter now and I'm very happy with. But I had gone back to drinking thinking, well, drinking is not a problem anymore. I have a relationship and I could probably control it, which happened to be fiction. There is no way to control it when you have a problem. So I had to go back about two years ago and say, yeah, you know what? I'm still not drinking. And sometimes you fall out. The, the first time when I stopped drinking, I thought the fun had left me because of the drinking had left me. And the fun had left me because I decided not to be fun anymore and not to do new things. And I had different, you know, 
my, my strategy should have been just to remain, just, it would have been enough just to say, I'm not going to be drinking anymore. And then use all the different tactics that keep me from not drinking. Going to meetings, sharing my problems with people. You know, once I share and when I'm open and stuff, I have people say, you, you share too much. And I say, well, you know, when I share, it's not kept in there and it doesn't stew. When things are just stew, I can move on from there. When they're not stewing, when I'm just out there. I may not be able to solve them, but I can just find out if a problem is intractable or is it tractable. Intractable, I can't fix it. Tractable, I can't fix it. And that's just like our serenity prayer. You know, accept the things that cannot change and change the things that can. That's it in a nutshell. And finding out what the difference is right there. But that's not saying that it works for everyone, that particular thing, but that worked for me. And then I can incorporate different strategic goals in my life. Like one of them was the podcast. Keep on doing a podcast. Maybe this is the thing that's helping me. You know, I started the podcast when I was drinking about a year and a half into my return to drinking. I started the podcast and up until December 19th of 19, I mean, uh, 2019, I was still drinking. And when I stopped drinking, I just changed my, at least I didn't change my goal to doing a podcast. I just removed the tactic of drinking that did not work for other things. And the tactic of drinking turned into a strategy in not drinking. And then eventually it would be like, well, how about a strategy for becoming financially more secure right now I'm secure because I'm physically able to do the the jobs that I need to do and fit enough and have enough energy to do that now if things were to change there would be there could be a big problem in my life if some of the tactical situations change my physical health or geographic disaster down here like a hurricane or something like that. Who knows? But the the ideas of just living one particular way <clears throat> has that idea has really left me. Like I say, there's not a recipe for success doing the same thing every day when you're not seeing the results. I do know that. So that's how I changed my tactics like I did when I decided I want to lose weight after that operation. Even though I lost weight, I wanted to be fit. And in order to be fit, how do I do this? Well, I got to be committed enough to go to the gym more so than, you know, three, four times a week and watch about how many calories I eat. Every so often, twice a week, I can overindulge maybe. Maybe that'll fit inside because I don't want to be able to deny myself the things I enjoy in order, if it doesn't see a great benefit. 
Like I know I see a great benefit if I don't drink. That, that little drinking does not work for me. But cookies, one day a week I can eat cookies. Or two days a week. And then the rest of the days a week, make sure I you know, do smoothies and, and, and vegetables. Cut back on my uh, carbs. So, <clears throat> this whole thing works in every, in every facet of life. Governments do it. History shows people that have grand strategies and, and tactics. Where a tactic could actually lead to a, a loss of a battle, bad strategy can le- could lead to you losing the war. Right? And a lot of times you'll hear me talk about politics, but I'm starting to realize now that <clears throat> most po- politics in the United States is, except for a few exceptions, is tactical. Meaning people have buzzwords they get excited about and get angry and they don't want to see the polarized version. They pick it up and it's easier on one side than the other because I always believe that a more effective strategy would be to have a narrow strategic goal. And that's where we're standing at right now. There's people that have a narrow strategic goal and they just have to maintain power. And sometimes, depending on the group of people you're looking to use as your base... You just have to hit a couple tactics for it. And one specific tactic is people seem to line up for is anti-immigrant, pro-gun, lip service to God and country. Right? And anti some the most nebulous thing, anti-socialism, which socialism exists in the United States across all Things we don't really understand because we're not thinking about it. But highways, postal service, railways, and all that stuff, and, and um, public transportation is all social socialism because it's it's based on a public-private tr- strategy to move people around or or to deliver mail or to you know have maintain a highway system. So it, it exists, and it's not always bad. But, you know, if you use these hot-button issues and you say you're you're always paying lip service to those things, like, oh, well, I'm going to stand for the flag, I'm kneeling for my God, and I'm building a wall to keep out immigrants and always carry my gun. Now, the people saying it don't, you know, the people in power may not necessarily believe that, but they know that the people that are listening to them they accept that. And they see, well, if I pick this person, they, these things are always going to be important to them. Well, they're just doing that to maintain power. On the other side, it's more nebulous. They're going to say, well, we want good education. We want good relationships with our neighbors. We want to be fair to immigrants. And, and it's all on one side. It's kind of nebulous. And people's ideas change with that. 
it's harder to maintain people in line. There's not a set order. There's not like six things. There could be global warming. There could be air quality. There could be, you know, all sorts of things. Pre-K schools, lunch programs, all these nebulous things. It's hard to keep people in line, and everyone has different interests. Then they got, you know, some crazy may say defund the police. And I say crazy because they're saying get rid of it. Or some people say defund it, the military budget of police departments where they buy huge weapon systems and stuff like that, and they're more aggressive. You know, different tactics and stuff like that. But each side does it to maintain political power. And it used to be all the government happened in the middle. The people like the John McCain's and the Sam Nunn's, you know, famous, respectively, Republican and Democrats. They worked together. Tip O'Neill worked with Ronald Reagan. Whether you liked Ronald Reagan or Tip O'Neill, they worked together. They worked in the middle. That's where all the governing was done. All the compromise. And and people on the left and the right used the firebrand issues to draw their partisans. And the partisans would show up, the partisan voters show up in uh, primary because during primaries, this is before the big election, you have people that are have gut issues, gut issues. And let's say you only get 20% of your turnout during primary season. 20% of the people that are eligible to jo- uh, vote, vote in primaries. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> the winner of the primaries are your selections in the general election. And then everyone shows up in general elections. It should be almost adverse, the opposite. They should have more people showing up at primary so you have the better choices. So you have the firebrands from either side are picking the choices for a Democrat, Republican, Independent, Green Party, Socialist, whatever. And they show up and they vote. And then you get you know, whatever the firebrands, when I say firebrands, the true believers, the partisans in both the left and the right, they show up in primaries and they pick the worst, the worst, the most extreme cases. So you end up with that green or Bobert, whatever her name is. And you get on the on the left, you get some extremists too. People that are diametrically opposed to working with each other. And it just goes in, goes in. They're the worst, they're the worst, blah, blah, blah. You don't listen to each other and nothing gets done. I try talking. I talk to my loved ones and I said, listen, is there a way we can talk about something? What are our goals? Like, I th- I don't think anybody, when, when the last guy was in office, no one had a problem with America being great. What, but what was making America great? Can we agree on what makes America great? Is it our heterogeneous makeup, meaning many different parts making one thing? Whether, you know, the freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, protection under the law, education, 
the best and the brightest, the land of innovation, the main bulk work against fascism during World War II, or hunger in the 80s and 90s, the breadbasket of the world, not the arsenal of the world. I mean, you can always agree to... I mean, I think a lot of people would agree on some of these things. They would agree on the education, making sure that we provide the most effective tools to educate our children and to protect them, make sure they're safe and happy. I mean, if you ran into something like this and say, this is what we do, they, they object to the tactics. Like, how does that... How do we do that? Do we do it by being an open source... Like, do all the history, the good and bad of the United States? Or do we do the one where we get rid of all the bad history and we just write the positive part? How do you learn anything when you don't know the bad? Right? How do you learn? How do you learn from your mistakes if you don't hear about the things where, if you did your whole life and you just never remembered the things that led up to things happening bad, that you, you could repeat that, couldn't you? But if you remembered and you constructively went through it, I made a mistake on that one. I think I'll do the do it this way. Right? Say, so, hey, we were very successful with the space program. How did we do that? How we do that space program? Or building a highway system or mass transit or the railroads in the late 1800s. All those things. And you could, you can also have a goal and say, we want the country to be America the beautiful. We want it to be green, healthy. Uh, we want to have plenty of water all over the country. Right? People say, well, how, how are you going to do that? And say, well, maybe instead of building a $20 billion aircraft carrier, maybe a $20 billion desalinization plan in the in the southwest that desalinates the specific ocean and brings water into it. And we're going to do it in a more efficient way so we can do hundreds of millions of gallons. And we become the technological leader in desalinization and turn the southwest into a Garden of Eden. Right? There's a, there's a noble goal. And people say, if you mention that, the people say, well, my goal is to, to bring as much water and desalinate and make sure that people are running out of that and actually reduce um, taxing our natural waterways. And some people say, well, you can't just desalinate the whole Pacific Ocean. I say, well, why not? Why not if we take, we're worried about rising sea levels. What if we just take hundreds of billions of gallons of water and take, take it to the desert? Desalinating it, just running big pipelines and saying, listen, we're going to make this into a paradise. Just big goals of doing here that what can't be done at the moment. And that's what strategies are for. You have things you can't do at the moment. You want to build, uh, use tactics to get to a place where you're able to commit to your goal. 
whether that's retiring in Belize or parasailing in the Alps, they're goals. And you need to institute things for that to occur. And that could happen in life, that can happen in politics, that could happen almost any aspect of your life, spiritually, romantically, and things like that. I'm hoping that my tactics bear fruition. And I hope you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank you for listening. I know it's kind of nebulous. When I say nebulous, it was all over the place. But when I have an idea, I like to unload it. It's my... It's just, it's just one of the things I do. It's my, you're, you're my, what would you call it? My diary. Or is it more likely diarrhea? I don't know, but thank you for listening. If you have any questions, please send your emails to jimmykeysbartender.com. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'll be back to you. Most likely Thursday. Bye.